I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Kia ora and welcome to another Aotearoa Rugby Pod here at Sky Sport and Rugby Pass. I'm Ross Carl. It's a big week this week, obviously. We've got the Blues and the Highlanders in the final. No Crusaders, which yeah, some people might be a little bit happy about. What we've got in studio is James Parsons, former Blues player, and if that wasn't punishing enough, down south... We're bringing in <laughs> Joey Wheeler so we can really get both sides of this argument. In the final, you played the 2015 one, Joey? Yeah, mate. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, great day. Well, actually, a great day of the final, but it was actually the most enjoyable part was the sort of five to seven days post the final um, from what I can remember of that. That was the, uh, the good fun. But, yeah. An interesting week, not having the Crusaders in the final, but I'm sure the 4.5 million New Zealanders outside of the Canterbury region will be wrapped that that's the case. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of that and the five to seven days of activity afterwards, uh, Bryn Hall um, is not here because there might be some activities going on um, all across above board. He's a bit parched. Yeah, yeah, He's a bit parched. (laughs) He's he's rehydrating after I've heard rumours that he's been, um, he pours them all down the, the sink anyway. He doesn't actually the celebration. Sort of dodges it all, but talks a big bit. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that's, he, he, he's not a he's he's not a heavy hydrator, but he, he still enjoys himself. <laughs> I would say that that's just good management. Yeah, you know, if you're in for the long haul. Smart. He's a halfback. He's not a big he's not a big body like a 130 kilo lock from down south. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got to approach it maybe with a little bit more, I suppose, what do you call it? You, you know, relativity. Relativity. <laughs> you know, if you divide the amount of drinks by the amount of kegs and then you get to the end and, and there's your winner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he still Good wins. Point of I've, never thought of it. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't allow you to get away with an absolute victory every single time, does it? You know, and you don't want that. Yeah, the big boys up Especially front. Especially not a halfback. Yeah, yeah. And we really shouldn't be encouraging whatever it is no. we're encouraging right no. now. I don't think we've mentioned anything <laughs> in particular. But uh, we do have a final this week. We have the Blues versus the Landers. It's at Eden Park. Mate, after the game, you and JK were just straight fizzing. But you went ahead and said that the Highlanders are a good chance. Oh, well, you've got to pump it up, you know. Just probably Blues going in as underdogs. <laughs> you reckon, Joey? Oh, it's all out of your mouth, Jimmer. And I heard that post-match summary from you and uh, JK, and it was all, we this, we that, we're going to do this. Um, we all know there's one underdog, and that's the, the boys from the Deep South coming up to what is going to be oh. a sold-out Eden Park. I mean, the only thing I think that's probably going to maybe help the Landers is that they've had a lot more sort of uh, finals, I guess, preparation or experience over the last years because it's been a long time since the Blues team's been in a final. I think, racking my memory, it might go back to, geez, an actual final. Would it be 98, maybe? 2003. I don't know. Uh, an actual final, 03. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, at home. A at semi, home. A semi tw- 2011. Um, but... As you can see, just off the top of my tongue, it doesn't hurt at all. Um, but I do think you're on a similar run to 15, you know, because you guys made that run away from home and it, it almost galvanised you and, and, and you built on that and then it, it sort of sprung you into that away from home mentality and, and, you know, you sort of alluded to that there. But 
Look, I, I think the Blues are tracking well. I was a bit edgy with the second half, uh, but the force, like we've, we've spoken on here about the force, and they've done this, except, except for the Canes game, they've, they've run a possession territory stat ridiculous in the second half every game, pretty much. They were 70 uh, possession, 72% territory on the weekend against the Blues. That was the same against the Crusaders, same against the Highlanders over there in um, Perth, and the same against the Chiefs. So it wasn't uncharacteristic to see that. Yes, the Blues would have been like, liked to have been more clinical. They probably lacked the, the uh, discipline on defence, which allowed the force to get into their half, and, the, and I suppose the execution at line-out time. But those are areas they can fix up, but they'll need to fix them up against the Highlanders, uh, because I don't know how bad Putty Putty Parkinson is, but he looked like he was holding his shoulder walking off, but he's a, he's a bit of tall timber. Evans there, uh, Dixon, so you know, line-out's going to be a key factor to be able to play off. Yeah. Talk to me about that force stat, though. You know, is that is that a Blues problem or is that a force coming up with, you know, what is it that makes them so uh, good in the second half? I don't know. I spoke to Cole Goodwin after the game. Um, he's he's good friends with Nick Mayhew, so I was catching up with them um, after the game. And he was saying it's frustrating to them because they performed so well in that second 40. And then, you know, they're like, why can't we just get that? consistency but potentially it's you know teams tire and they they can get a little bit better and, and they they work things out um, I'm not too sure they haven't been able to put their finger on it um, but I, I must admit probably not the first 10 minutes but that that 10 to 40 minutes was the best I've seen the Blues play defensively and their ability to turn defense into attack I mean that one example of Patty hitting Kyle uh, Godwin um, on the line at about the 20 minute mark, bang, smacked him, and then Jared Kelly Tuioti just picks the ball up and steals it from the ruck. I mean, those are the defensive efforts you see. I think there was another kick from Finlay Christie and, and Hoskins Satuto and Kurt Eklund um, absolutely barrel the fullback and walk over the top of it to get another um, turnover. Yes, they scored points and there was some great synergy and attack, but it was the efforts and defence and turning that defence into the attack that was more special to me. Is that a key worry for you, Joey? Yeah, I, I think on the back of that, around that around that defensive stat, I, I, that's one area of the game that I've been really impressed in the growth of this Blues side. I think probably historically speaking, um, that, that's when it gets tough, that's when usually the, the Blues go missing. But for them to be leading this competition in uh, amount of tackles average per, per game, they're at 19.2. And then to have the second best uh, tackle percentage across the competition and 89.2% as well or 89.6% I should say they're doing something really really well and that's I think been built by um, probably this the growth that we've seen from um, Super Rugby Aotearoa and the mistakes that they made in that competition letting teams in and letting them off the hook late in the piece to then actually growing their defensive belief and guys sort of responding to that and, and taking real pride in, and protecting their line. And that's the game that I've been really responsible. Really so for this Highlanders team to break them down, they, they need to be really smart in their attack because these guys are big lads. And if you're going to run straight into them, they're going to knock you on your back and they're going to do it time and time again. So you need to be really smart in how you attack this blue side to, to win. And to be fair, that is the strength of the Highlanders this year. Clever ingenuity around attack, looking at the opposition game and, and coming up with options. The irony is on that is the Highlanders' attack statistically doesn't read that well. Uh, they're quite low in, in clean breaks and defenders beaten, but it's because of exactly what you've just said. They go to their line-out and they actually score a lot from malls or from little set plays that we saw the other night. I think Harmon went over. And when they break the line, their conversion rate of line breaks to tries is huge. So they sit around seven or eighth out of 10 in attack stats, mm. but it's actually quite uh, amazing reading because if you actually looked into it, it, they actually average more tries than the Blues per game, but their attack stats don't read that. But that actually tells a better story. So they are really clinical on attack. When they make a line break, they normally score. But also it shows their best game is when they go to their forwards. They did the same when they were struggling against the Waratahs. They went to their forwards in the second half and it tidied everything up both sides of the ball. They did it again against the Brumbies and they used their kicking game really well around that. So they can score points. 
um, you know, on the back of Joey, I, I do think defence is going to be key in this game, and I think tactical kicking will also be key, and then this, the penalty strategy. You know, we're talking about attack and thing, you know, we're so used to seeing so many points scored, but it's a Kiwi team versus a Kiwi team. What strategy changes? How, how do they apply the, those sorts of thoughts and mechanisms? And um, both sides are first and second in points allowed. I think the Blues are allowing 15 points defensively to the Highlanders 19. You know, so both sides are, uh, are probably the best defensive sides. So it's going to be who's willing to break. And then you sort of see both sides like to kick that territory base. Zahn Sullivan's coming to the Blues. He's kicking long a lot. Mitch Hunt and, and Aaron Smith with Josh Uwani. They kicked 32 times the other night and were so patient and wanting to get five tries to be that patient and kick that many times and just wait for it, wait for it, wait for it and, and you know, make hay when the sun shines was pretty impressive and, and no doubt they'll be looking to do the same again. So it's almost going to be a, a real chess match to see who makes the, the mistake first or who, who chances their arm first on attack that provides the error for the other team to pounce on. Joey, we've got a little red uh, Chip, here. I'll for just go back to... Go yeah, go on, mate. Yeah, I know. I'm just going to go back to about five minutes on that chat and um, <laughs> pick up on a point you said around uh, the line-out, Chipper. And what I'm, I'm, I'm actually, obviously, being a, an ex-lock, is that I'm intrigued by this battle because you, you did allude to the Highlanders' reliance on, on their line-out and their, and their special plays that they offer, and, and they do do that really well. What I've loved on the flip side of that is actually the, the Blues' defensive line out this year. I think um, defensively, they're standing up. I'm not sure exactly the stat, but I'd say they'd be out there in the top three defensive lineouts. So they're, they're picking first. a lot of ball off. So there you go, first. So uh, the gut feel was pretty accurate, mate, um, on that one. So I'm disappointed you didn't watch the, the pre-show Highlanders on the weekend, mate. <laughs> oh yeah, but that's uh, that's that's bath time duties in our house. Uh, yeah, true, house, true, but, understandable. Um, but yeah, the lineup battle is going to be intriguing because you're right. The, the Highlanders do love to attack off that, and and I think if they can manipulate that Blues defensive line out, then I think they could get some pay at at, um, at more time because I think the the Blues have shown some frailties in, in that area and, and if the Highlanders can be smart and manipulate them into where they want to go, then uh, it could be a, that could be a great wee battle. Yeah, and, and I think it, it will be a battle because of the variation the Highlanders have shown because it's, you know what it's like, Joey, is that, that commitment in, oh, is it going to be a mall? Is it going to be a special play? And you can't be halfway house. It's either head in or head out. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and that's where those oppo yeah. opportunities present itself. Um, and, and back to that defensive, uh, Gerard Kelly, Tuioti, and, and Patrick Tupelodu, those have been the biggest growth in their game. They've been they're, they're equal top in terms of steals as individuals, which has made uh, the Blues the top line-out steals. But the biggest thing out of those steals, they're, they're scoring points off the back of it, finally. So off those steals, we're so used to seeing the Crusaders, the Whitelocks, the Barretts, the Luke Romanos leading that, those sorts of stats. To, to see the Blues in that space... Um, shows a massive growth. And, and we all know, like, the old adage, defence wins championships. It's true, because when the pressure comes down to it and you're defending your line, you know, 70 to 80 minutes, that's when it's going to count the most. And, and I think where the Highlanders won themselves into this final, and similar for the Blues, is defence. The Highlanders' 70 minutes to 80 minutes holding the Brumbies out was the, probably the most important part of the game because they didn't score a try and they got the bonus point. You know, and it's, again, based off the back of defence. The same for the Blues, is holding out the force at crucial times in that first half and then scoring points off the back of it paid massive dividends because we didn't see what was coming in the second half. So both teams' defence, but it, we know they can both attack. So it's who's going to chance their arm mm. because you don't also want to make the error that allows the other side to pounce. So it's just that balance. You alluded to it a little earlier, you know, these teams obviously haven't played each other in a while. They've been playing Australian teams and they haven't played against the New Zealand style. So you come into a final like this, what does this final mean in comparison to, say, the Super Rugby Aotearoa final? When you look at the fact that the top five teams you haven't played um, and you're now in a final against one of the other teams who has put on the most points um, and, and won the points differential battle that this competition turned into, Joey, what does this mean, this tournament? I, th I think it's huge for both sides. Uh, 
Um, I think from a Highlanders' perspective, obviously, where they've come for this season, um, from obviously finishing fourth in Super Rugby Aotearoa to then go five from five, but also face the adversity that they've faced. Um, they've had 13 guys out from their um, original squad out with ending injuries. Um, some individuals have had off-field indiscretions that have um, really cost the teams in a couple of games um, this year. And then to only have two current ABs in the in the squad, um, it's it's an unbelievable effort by this team to to be in this situation. I know people are going to say, "Well, you haven't played um, the Crusaders." It's uh, you know, how can you actually uh, uh, to be champions because you haven't actually taken the five-time champions or whatever they are. But I think to be in that position, everyone knew the rules. It was a points race. To be able to compile uh, enough bonus points and enough points to be in this position to, to be in a final, I think both these two teams should be really proud of their efforts because it's been a points race. Um, you have to have been really, really sound defensively, but you've also had to have the ability to score tries. And our performance last week by the Highlanders in Canberra, where over the history of Super Rugby, against new sides, they only let in, on average, 23 points. So for the Highlanders to go over there, for a hell of a uh, travel uh, schedule that they've had this season was an outstanding effort to put themselves um, in with a sniff up at Eden Park this this season, uh, this, this weekend, sorry. That's what I mean. They're, they're doing this 2015. It's the same yeah. story was coming out of the camp at 2015. The old backs against the wall. <laughs> See, that's Blues are underdogs, mate. I'm telling you. Yeah. Highlanders yeah. have got the finals Blues experience. Joey's said, it. Joey said it. You know, Blues they're just, they're, they're just they're galvanised, you know. <laughs> Brennan always claims underdog status. So someone had to take over from him. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Brilliant can never, the Crusaders can never claim underdog status. When you've got 13 <laughs> characters the books, there's just no way you can claim underdog status. <laughs> well, the champions are doing that as well. Yeah, well, they are. They are. I, I, I mean, to answer your question for the Blues, I, I think we all know what it means to this, this yeah. team in this city. I mean, we get ridiculed. And I will say we this week, because uh, it looks like it is you versus me. Uh, not only uh, here today, but on, on Saturday, no doubt. Um, but it, it will mean a lot to the group, but also to the city. And I hope, I hope we get a f packed house uh, because there's been a lot of grief, um, and, and rightly so. We haven't made a final. We haven't made finals for, for a long time, since 2011. Uh, but we're here, home final, finally. So get them behind and, and, and celebrate it. And uh, no doubt the boys will be putting in a big shift to to make sure uh, we get the rewards. Has there been some moments at Eden Park recently? I suppose there was that return game last year, which was a sellout, and when Auckland won that final and they gave away all those tickets, you know. This, though, is bigger. This is the real thing. It's huge, yeah. I, I think it is massive, and I agree with Joe. Like, well, for you guys, you did beat the Crusaders at home, so, um, you know, you, you've done it, and we've played each other enough Kiwi sides to know that, you know, you, it's a pretty evenly balanced comp. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, the best two sides in the Trans-Tasman got enough points and, and the trophy's up for grabs. And I don't even think the Crusaders would sit there and say that the two teams don't deserve to be there. I don't think that's their style. You know, Bryn, Bryn Hall text on our chat, um, you know, couldn't get the job done, all the best to, to the Blues and, and the Highlanders, you know. So, so I don't think it's their style and, and they're happy to celebrate what was an awesome Super Rugby Aotearoa for them and, and let the final go, go ahead on Saturday. Wasn't that a bizarre game? I, I, watching that Crusaders game, you know, they were up early. It was obvious they were never going to lose. But every time they got up to 19 points up, it went back and it went back and it went back. And then we had drop balls, you know, when no one was around them. Richie Moonga, um, you know, missing touch. Like all these weird things that in pressure situations, in finals, we've seen them be able to achieve. And in this particular situation, it was strange because they won by 50 points and yet they bottled it. <laughs> it just it just didn't feel like it was going to be their day, I reckon, when Enor dropped that one yeah. before half-time. Like, it was like, I, I was watching it with, with Goldie and JK and it was just like, man, you just almost felt like it wasn't on. And, and then to Mighty Williams with the uh, reach out and then Fire Nuku's double movement. Mm. 
Um, I think, you know, the McLeod injury early without Dave Havili there, all those sorts of things add up. Um, and, and you can be a world-class team, which they are, but 33 points is a lot. Like, it, it's a big effort, yeah. and, that, and it has to go credit to the Highlanders to make it that sort of um, margin. But they should have done it. Like, they had well, the opportunities. I think it was the yellow card. Yeah. I don't know what you think, Joe, but Will Jordan's yellow card yeah. it, it stemmed the flow at 24. Yeah, it, it did, and I think what we witnessed was a when they're uncomfortable when they go away from what they do well, which is that juggernaut of set-piece penalty, kick, another penalty, keep doing that. They, they went away from that and they start trying to play this Razley game, which doesn't really suit their style. It's not in their DNA. That structured, disciplined football that we're so um, used to seeing from them sort of disappears out the window. And, and we saw the pressure um, that they obviously were putting on themselves to make that happen. But what they'll be kicking themselves about this season and missing out is performed home home games this year. So against the Brown one, they win by the skin of their teeth in the last play by that um, uh, guy missing the conversion. So they, they win by two points. Don't take a bonus point. In the fourth away, um, the bonus point in the 81st minute or something of that game to not get a bonus point. So from the two games that they had at home this year, they didn't take away the bonus point. Got the wins, obviously, because they finished the season five from five. They'll be kicking themselves that they didn't get bonus points at home, which is so, so crucial in this competition. I, I, I think it's um, also they won't be kicking themselves about their attack. It'll be that they weren't stopping tries, you know, like to score 52 points and not get a bonus point. That it'll be the 26 that irritates them the most, I'd say, because they still tackled at 89%. So, you know, they're just probably like one-off individual errors, like when Joe Powell slipped through defensively that led to tries. It wasn't like they were massive breakdowns in, in defence that led to those, those four tries by the Rebels. So I think it will be more the other side of the ball that irritates them the most because you know that on attack they're, they're second to none. Mm. Well, they'd have to say by themselves, though, as well, and Bryn's talked about this a lot, their discipline has let them down all season. There have been a number of points that haven't been major issues for them in the past. They've managed to get over it and somehow get a little bit further. But as the season's gone on, obviously that hasn't... hasn't well, they still out. won five games. We've got to make sure we don't blow it up to something bigger than it. It's not like they, they, they only missed out by a couple of points and points differential. Exactly. It's just because it's the standards that everyone expects of yeah. them. So, um, you know, and I, like I say, like I think they'll be more irritated by... Um, you know, the, the tries they let in than the ones they, they missed, you know. Um, but you're right, again, 14 penalties, 16 turnovers, those are sort of stats that probably irritate them as well um, because of the high standards that Joey, Joey alluded to before that they used to sort of implementing and showing. Joey, it really is a compliment to them that we talk about them in this way, the way that we talk about the All Blacks. You know, when you've got that legacy of such huge Five titles success, in a row. You know, people pick at the tiniest, most minute details when you've actually done pretty bloody well. Yeah, I think we all love to hate the Crusaders. They're, <laughs> they're just so good. Um, I, I just, it's just jealously, I personally, I, like on the weekend, I was getting so frustrated at the Rebels, the way they were playing. I was like, all you guys need to tackle, just tackle, man. Don't worry about anything else. Just try and tackle these guys. But they were, it was like they were wanting them to win. But it, I just, I look at them and I go, they are so damn good across the park. They've obviously got amazing culture there that want to keep turning back up for them year after year. Even those guys that are fringe All Blacks, that they would, you know, walk into any other super franchise in the country and play 80 minutes every week. They still want to stay there to get better as rugby players. And, and that's a credit to them and what they do there because they do it better than anyone else. They are world-class um, in, that, in that respect, that they breed success. And, I mean, even though they went five from five, they'll be bitterly disappointed. And um, Chipper said, I think it came down to a couple of real small things in their game that we're going through with a fine-tooth cone around discipline, um, chasing games, not being able to probably um, score the amount of points that we're used to at home, all the little things. But 
the reality is they still won five from five, so they're still a bloody good side. <laughs> it's not the end of the world, and and it makes the final far more interesting because we all just expect the Crusaders to turn up and win finals, and this time around it is honestly a who is going to win this game. Yeah, it's definitely a lot closer. Um, I, I, I genuinely think that. Like, it's both teams are in really good touch, um, and and time their run really well. Um, I do want to jump on the back of Joey's uh, comment around the Rebels' defence because you know we had that chat about Moonga going out the back and, and breaking defence. He did it again on the weekend. Joe Powell rushed in and jammed on um, the, the tip defender and, and Moonga goes through again and I'm just like, how, oh, how do they not know he's going it. to do that? <laughs> like, and do Will it. Jordan scores from it and it's just like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just like, man, oh man. Um, but anyway, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to Richie doing it for the All Blacks because clearly they don't want to defend it. Yeah, yeah, maybe Dave Rennie's been watching. Well, man, some of his, I think they'll be focusing on defence, uh, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, a little bit later on. Now, you mentioned that yellow card to Will Jordan. There were a few incidents over the weekend um, where people were scratching their heads about what on earth is this. There was the Lomax um, yellow v red. Is that as obvious as it seems that looked like a red card based on everything we've seen this year? Yeah, I just think if you go to Damien, and, and I just think the understanding was if you go near the head, it, it's gone. Um, you know, you've even seen it in the NRL now. I think the Broncos player on the weekend like didn't do anything wrong. Like The guy was almost tripping. Um, I can't remember who they were playing but and, and fell into his shoulder, but he got sent off. Yeah. Um, which shows that even both, sometimes the NRLs looked at rugby going, oh, that's a bit placid. But now both games are sort of evening up. And um, yeah, I, I suppose that's where we saw the understanding is any direct contact with the head is going to be a red card. And um, I'm sure they'll have a review, as we always talk about. Um, uh, refs are human. And I hate bagging on refs because it's a, it's a tough job. But I, I do think they got, they got that one wrong. Yeah, it was weird. What did you make of it? Yeah, I was the same. I think you look at how Damien um, got treated with his one and I, and you look at the severity of his as opposed to maybe Tyrell's. And uh, Goldie and I were discussing because we were working that game, the Hurricanes game, and, and Goldie actually made a really good point for a guy that didn't make too many tackles in his career. <laughs> but it was, he sort of said, um, the thumb up, the thumb up, up the thumb down is a way of... Um, looking at, at these tackles. So if I'm going to make a genuine attempt to wrap his arms, his thumb is going to be up and trying to make a wrap with his, with his, with his arms on the tackle. Whereas as opposed to with his thumbs down, leading with the shoulder, it's not the guy straightening the Swede. And that was what was pretty obvious with Tyrell's in the weekend. There was, there was no chance that his, his arm was ever going to come around and wrap as opposed to maybe Damien's where he slipped up got a shoulder straight to the guy's head, but he was obviously in the in the motion of trying to wrap his arms. So it's just the inconsistencies. And I think you're right, Chip, it is bloody hard for these referees to interpretate the laws around, um, you know, a guy, he's falling down as opposed to what Damien did. All these things and trying to take intent into account. Like, yeah. you can't say that so a Tyrell went out there to try and knock this guy with his shoulder. There's no way that he had it. I mean, it's not him and try to knock the guy out with a punch. That's different. And then there's real intent to try to hurt the fella. He's just trying to make a tackle. So, But I think the consequence of shoulder to head, we've got to, we've got to try to eliminate it from the game because too well, Chibber, the concussion, it's having a massive play in um, guys' careers. And, and if we can eliminate that, then I think the more we can bring that tackle height down and uh, make sure that guys are using their arms to, to wrap, then we take the head out of the out of the out of the um, equation. If any contact to the head, it's pretty straight. It's got to be a red card. What if it's head on head? Well with Tupo Vai, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I that now one was confusing yeah. for me. I, I found that one confusing because I don't know where his head's supposed to go. I know. Where are you meant to put your sweep? Oh, oh, I just I thought maybe a penalty, like even a penalty was harsh, and then he got yellowed. I was like, oh, that's that's tough. Um, but yeah, that was. Uh, I, 
again, it's it's just it's just uh, I think again it's an interpretation the, of that rule, eh? But it's a perception of they've seen attacking players head mm. have direct contact, yeah. and whether it's head on head. Um, I suppose what they're saying there, it is the defenders. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Right, well, it's the defender's obligation to dip their height and wrap their arms and get it a get it a, a, a height that is not going to bring the head into play, even if it is your head on. His head, because it just it looked funny to get yellow carded for that, I must admit. But um, they're trying to set a standard so they, they can bring about change. So that's again, I, I do want to stress about um, not bagging um, um, refs, but it is a little bit. I think the weekend did bring about, I don't think beforehand there was inconsistency, but I think the weekend did bring a, about inconsistency, but maybe um, some instances that we haven't seen before, especially the head on head. Yeah. Like that was, that, that, that I hadn't seen before. Is that even a law? Like, is, is there anything in the law? Well, that I think it's direct that contact with the head. head. So yeah. it doesn't say that it yeah. can't be head on head. They, they're just reffing the law to them. Yeah. I think the other, the other side of it is when we're going to get to these uh, pick and go situations close to the line where a guy's diving, say, yeah. half a try, yeah. gain 30 and as the defender, you've got to try and get under a guy that might only be two feet off the ground. And I don't know how you're meant to do that without either your head smacking into his head mm. or your shoulder smacking into his head. So there's, there's you know, horse of courses or sort of stuff. And I, and I think you're right, uh, Chibber. It's just how, how they interpret it. And they're obviously trying to make a statement around around it. And, and I think we all agree we don't want uh, people suffering from concussions, and, and they've got to do their part. But how they do that, I don't know. That, that, that's um, <laughs> that's a, a sort of a, a discussion for another day, because I, I don't have an answer. Yeah, it's but I think too I, confusing for me at the moment. I think like um, like us as rugby players or anything, any job you do, you review it, and then you make you, you make adjustments as you go, and, and that's what I think they'll do. But this takes me to my bugbear, and Joey, I go on about this all the time. You know, when you look at the reviews, it's always about making sure that the defensive player is getting into the right position, making sure they're not going too high. And, and whether it's this or whether it's highball situations or whatever, when are we at some stage going to put some onus on the attacking player to start looking after themselves and the person in front of them? Because it seems to me like the attacking player in any situation on a rugby field can get away with whatever they want. And, you know, when there's a clash of heads like that where two heads have come up against each other, the defensive player is the guy who seemed to be reckless. But your, your heads both ended up in the same place. Yeah, and I think because what they're trying to say there, I suppose, is the attacking player is remaining upright and, and it's the obligation on the defending player to drop his body height to make the tackle. Um, How often do we see falling bodies, things like yeah, that? You look, know, and they, they talk about mitigating circumstances, but... You know, it does seem unfair that the defensive player is always the one. And I think the they have to make team. a stance, though. They, yeah. have to, they have to make a stance on one side or the other. Otherwise, it's just going to be, you can argue it either way all, yeah. all the time. So I, I think the way they've got it at the moment is fine because everyone understands that. Um, it's just making little adjustments on, on the interpretation as they go, as new things. I think things. that's the problem, though. I, I, don't, I don't think everyone understands it because I, I certainly don't as a... Um, now a broadcaster, like I've got no idea what 
what rule they're going to interpret week to week. And these mitigating circumstances change week well. So we just need, I think what you're alluding to, um, uh, Ross, is just getting some clarity. Like, what, what, what's, what's wrong? What, what was so bad about Damien's as opposed to Tyrell's? But that's, as opposed but that's, to Tupu's. Like, but that's, that's what I'm know. saying. You don't know. Is, that's what I'm saying. They, they'll review it and they'll probably come out and say that Tyrell's probably should have been a red and that, mate, when have we ever seen a head-on-head -head <laughs> tackle? Like, I, I, I can't yeah. remember it. I've mm. been around a long time. I, I've, I've never seen that and I've never seen someone yellow-carded for it. Um, but that's that's what I mean. It's just it's something. It's an area that they're trying to focus on, and they're going to have to grow as it goes. Um, yeah, I've got my refs back here. <laughs> your your broadcaster pulley. And can I just say, from a point of view, this is the best. The thumb up, thumb down. That's the best chat I've ever seen you bring on TV. <laughs> there you go. I, I, I can't claim that either, mate. That was uh, yeah, I know that was all you, 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 as you. I alluded to. You gave it to Goldie, to, but I said to him, "I know, but that, that, that him, is mate, great." You can't be talking tackle technique. That is great, though. That's going to change that the makes, game. That makes great sense. Send that to World Rugby, and suddenly it'll be called the Wheeler Rule. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And Goldie yeah. will be. But then you could say the coat hangers are all good now, boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You get a coach like Craig Bellamy coming and oh. coming up with some obscure <laughs> bloody tackling technique. Right. Which I just sum up. I just tried. Up. <laughs> I just tried to compliment him, and he just goes and ruins it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just forward thinking forward yeah, thinking yeah, yeah. the evolution of the thumb up tackle <laughs> <laughs> let's get back to some positive stuff obviously we've got a big game this weekend so often the final game can offer you know final selections in an all black jersey a guy who pulls out something out of nowhere and jumps up ahead of the next guy based on what he did in the biggest game of the year do we have any players in these two teams who are fringe All Blacks who might not be on Ian Foster's piece of paper now, but are when the team gets named next week? Oh, I reckon there's a, there's a couple. Look, look, there's some guys that are dead cert, but there's a couple that I think have got the opportunity to do so. Um, I've got a couple from the Blues. One guy that's maybe out there, but potentially could be on the radar if there's an injury, is, is Gerard Kelly Toyote. I'd love to know um, Joey's thoughts on this, but I just think he's, he's really good ball in hand. Um, he's really good defensively, physical, so he's got that, but he's a student of the game. Um, you know, his preparation, he runs Blue's defence and attack lineouts with Paddy. Like they, he, he knows that side of his game. You know, he's really bone deep in his prep, which I really like. Um, and, and that's what you need at that next standard. You need to say bone deep in Steve Hansen's voice. Bone deep. Bone deep. Um, um, so I think if he keeps playing, like he's he's had he's had a great season, and he's just like his 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 game is just the best I've ever seen it. And I I don't want to lose him for Harbour, but um, you know could potentially do so. Um, Alex Hodgman, I think he had a great game. Um, he's obviously been suspended. Probably hasn't had the form he'd like. He was in the All Blacks, performed really well for the All Blacks, had a great game last week, a big performance, really brings him back into the picture. Tom Robinson, if his head's right, I think he has to be considered. Yeah. Um, and I'll jump on the Highlanders, but you'll probably, you'll, you'll be able to jump on more of these, but I'll, I'll go quickly through them so I don't steal Joey's thunder. But Jonah Nareki, obviously we've spoken about before, Josh Ioane and Mitch Hunt, I think there's, there could be a potential opportunity, whether not in the original squad, but if there's an injury or something, mm -hmm. those boys... They perform well in a big occasion, big stage. Yeah. I'll touch on your point around Gerard Kelly Tuioti, mate. I was a huge fan of his last year. He's put in two consistent seasons. The interesting thing for me was he was probably one of our four blocks last season in um, Super Rugby Aotearoa, but missed somehow the North Island selection, yeah, I know. which I still can't understand how he missed out on that selection. But he was probably one of the box in the country at that stage. So that was that was interesting for me. And that that I took that maybe they stand a little bit too old for that next World Cup cycle, which I've never that um Jabari, as you know, because I think if guys are good enough now and they're playing at that highest um sort of 
tier of player and at, and at a world-class level, then you should pick them, regardless of the and regardless of um, whether you see them being able to make um, the, the next World Cup. So I think that might be counting against them. Uh, but I, I've loved his um, his presence in that blue side. Now running line out um, with Patty and doing a fantastic job. And obviously, Willie alluded to their work in defence, uh, their defensive line out being the best in the competition this year. So he can um, he can just head off. And, but the other thing that might count against him is I understand he might be heading offshore as well. So I don't know if that, that'll count well, against we've him. Seen flip, <laughs> uh, we've Joe, seen flip arounds. We've seen flip arounds before. Yeah. There, there was a sign in yeah, the park crowd, wasn't there? There was a sign in the stadium on the nice. weekend saying, Thank you very much, Gerard. And that was like, Oh. It's yeah. all right. We've, we've seen flip arounds. We'll just start it. We'll start pumping it up yeah. here. If you swing an All Blacks jersey in front of and, someone, they'll change their mind. I'll tell you what, and Harbour definitely need him to hang around, mate. Gee, was, I'll they, tell you that. They do, but just on, that, just, one... just on him, though, before we move on, is look, look at Dave Rennie. Tamani's selected 34. I know we're going to touch on the Wallaby mm. squads in depth, but picking on form, current form, pick international sides on current form. I'm big on that, Joey. Sorry to jump in there. <laughs> yeah. Good on you, mate. Uh, Good analysis, Joey. Blues, I think Wang. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Uh, what um, needs to have a massive performance is Akira Ioane, if he's to be considered. I think you alluded to Tom Robinson. Obviously, he's the, the form six, but his obviously didn't look good in the weekend. If Akira is to put himself off that picture of that all black frame and the makeup of that loose forward trio, uh, because to me, bar Hoskins, um, there's been no one really screaming out. I'm the, I'm the number eight for this All Black side. I'm the next next best thing. Um, so the makeup of that loose forward trio and who they pick, I think, you've, is You've just insulted Ross. Interesting. I, I didn't. I didn't hear you scream Luke Jacobson for a you've second. You've just there. insulted oh, no. Ross. Hey. I, I love Luke Jacobson, mate. No, I love <laughs> Luke Jacobson. And I, I, think, I think I love him because he can play all three, so competent in every position. But is 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 that the solution? Picking. Are they going to just pick these utility guys like another, like Artie Savia, for instance, he could play all three. Hoskins can mm. play um, six and eight. Um, he's a genuine eight. He's a genuine eight. Hoskins is a genuine eight. I is, agree. Is, is Akira a six? Is he an eight? What, where's he going to fit in? I think he, if he can have a big performance, he'll put himself right into the picture. And the one guy that I had for the Hollanders was Jonah Nariki. I just think it all on the pole of winger that we want for the All Blacks and I know you guys have talked about Jonah already this season uh, in your pods and I know that traditionally the All Blacks have gone for that big bruising um, winger that always wins game line but the thing I love about Jonah Nariki is he's got the complete skill set. For a winger obviously not the biggest guy but geez he plays, he plays big he um, uncanny ability to always beat the first defender. He's got a great left foot. He's uh, turned up is that a lot of left wingers wouldn't turn up as second receiver, got the ability to throw the wide ball, um, has a huge work rate, and probably I'd, I'd just about say he's probably one of the best defensives in New Zealand at the moment. A great ability to shut down time and space to paint a picture that he's got everything covered, but then also pull back when he doesn't to sell two different pitches. And then if teams think that they can skip past him, a canny, uncanny ability of taking those intercepts. So I think he's a guy, um, even smaller than stature, he's, he's big, the way he plays, he plays so big and he's so important to what this Highlanders team does. Yeah, I, well, we've spoken at length about Jonah and, and all those are, are relevant. Probably one area is the old contestables. Um, and and yeah. something the Highlanders don't go to a lot is the contestable kick. Um, they, they go for more of the tactical kick but his chip and chase game as well I know like it's a little bit old school but he, he's so effective in that little attacking chip and chase game uh, and I, I agree like that that try that he set up for Aaron Smith like it was like he was on fast forward when he injected into the line like the change of pace he, he literally looks like he's on fast forward it's like it's ridiculous and then he sets up Aaron on the inside but I, I totally agree um, I, I thought there was maybe some other guys, you know, that m might get into that all-black um, environment due to having played in there previously and, and coming into form like Sevu and we spoke about um, a few others. But, I mean, another big performance on the big occasion that, that leads to a Highlanders win. 
he would he would definitely have to be knocking the door down. So you both would like him to, to see him in the starting 11 jersey? The, the different question is, do you think Ian Foster sees him in a starting 11 jersey? Oh, I don't know. I think that's what I was alluding to, whether that, that profile of um, Fozzie's after. Does he want that, that can, sort of complete player that uh, is, is always on the ball, or does he just want that big bruising type of winger that's going to smash through brick walls, gain line, uh, take the first carry off line, set piece, do all that sort of stuff? Or does he want a, a winger that's going to get busy on it? Um, turn up around the rucks, running off mm. Nuggie's shoulder, um, turning up in places that you probably don't expect to see uh, your left winger turning up. It's all it's all going to be around how he wants to play the game, and, and I that, think uh, that'll depend on what left winger he's going to go with. They have done that in the past, like George Bridges yep. on the left wing. Um, you know, so you know Rico's been there. Uh, you know, Caleb's been the latest one that's been the big bruising one, but. He's also very good at his work rate off the ball from his Sevens background. You know, Sevens was really good for that aspect of his game. Jonah's obviously got that aspect. So I don't think the expectation of Ian Foster is that his, his 11 isn't doing that work off the ball. So I, I don't think it plays against him. And, and I agree. Sort of like Seven away, they might look small, but man, they, they, they're rock solid. Milani Nanai was the same as well. Try tackling them. <laughs> They're like rocks, and, and you just get bunted yeah. off, and you, you end up. Well, I did anyway. Don't know about you, Joey. Did you? But <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd run away as far away from those blokes as possible because I'd know they'd embarrass me. I'd end up tripping over myself like a big giraffe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he's got to be in with a shot. If it, a big performance in a big game. Yeah. That's the that's the big thing. A big performance in a big game, big occasion. That's test match level yeah. stuff. So you deliver on that stage, you're then sending a message to the all-black coaches like, oh, the big occasion doesn't unsettle me, I can still perform. And like they showed with Caleb last year, they are willing to roll the dice on someone, you know, if they see that. Mm. You know, Caleb was a young guy who'd barely played any super rugby. Next thing you know, he's a star for the all-blacks on the wing. Mm. They're willing to take that chance if you show them what you've got. Yeah, they've done it with Bridgie a few years before and he overtook Rico. You know, they, they'll, I think he's a real chance. Oh yeah, let's go through some lists then. We've got down hidden on this piece of paper. Starting 15s. Let's do it quickly so it doesn't labour too long. Run me through. Joey, you start us. Run us through your starting 15. What does the All Black starting 15 look like to you? Oh, good Lord. I've gone off uh, here on the loose head. Um, Dane Coles at hooker. Just edging out uh, Cody Taylor. I just love... Uh, Colsey's little bit of niggle and that little bit of edge uh, that we always see from him in, at Test Match Footy. He's just got an uncanny ability to get under opposition skin. Uh, and Nepo Lalala on the tight head, um, purely ring ability uh, with offer and, and Nepo. There's a big worry, I think, around obviously if, oh, we're going bar injury, eh? So Obviously, if Moody's um, sweet, I was picking for this first test. If Moody's sweet, uh, Moody comes in there if there's no injuries but uh, in the loose head. But I'm a bit worried about the fitness levels of um, those Blues props, Chipper. Um, I'd, I'd like to see them do a little bit more around the field. Uh, but those two would be, uh, for me, the best scrummages um, at the moment, Offer and, and Nepo. The locks, pretty pretty simple. Two world-class guys and Scott Barrett and Sam Whitelock. Loose forward, um, Shannon Frizzell, barring injury, Shannon Frizzell gets the six jersey and Sam Kane gets the seven jersey for me. Um, and I'm going with Hutchinson two to an eight. Um, I just think this guy um, for the next World Cup, he's just going to keep getting better and better. Uh, and we haven't even seen the best of him yet. He's a, a brilliant athlete, uh, brilliant in the line-out. Uh, could probably... Maybe if there's any criticism around him, maybe around his uh, physical defence, but, I mean, he's just going to keep getting better and better the more he plays. Uh, Aaron Smith at nine. Uh, Richie Mwanga uh, just gets the nod just because of his form um, at present uh, over Bodie uh, at 10. On the left wing, I've gone with Jonah Nariki um, just purely for the fact of him getting better. I just love his work rate. I love the way he plays games. So he's got the... Fred Havili at 12. 
Daniel, uh, sorry, not Daniel Lennart Brown. We wouldn't want him in the midfield. Uh, Anton Lennart Brown uh, in the midfield, partnering him. Um, and I'm going to go Will Jaw on the right wing. Uncanny ability to create something from nothing. And, and um, yeah, he's he's just that sort of player where it turns um, rocks into diamonds really, really quickly. So he gets the nod. And then Geordie Barrett at fullback for me. Um, that's my. That's my um, biggest for mate. Eleven uncapped players in the Wallabies squad. That's fresh. But when you look at the people who are unavailable, my goodness, uh, Pattaya, Vunivalu, Gordon, Peresi, like they've they've got a superstar backline um, unavailable through injury. That, yeah, they've been unlucky with their timing of their injuries. Uh, the, this Australia with this naming of this Australian side, but. The thing I always am weary of with the Australians is they always have the to pick a really, really good 23. Um, so, yeah, on on paper, you look at that squad and you go, oh, there's all this, um, you, you know, freshness or uncapped players. But if you look at their 23, they're still going to be a really competitive side. It's just injuries that are going to... Um, that are going to hurt them. Uh, the one that I was really disappointed with was uh, Paris, Paris out of those. I think he's been a shining light for that side and um, got an uncanny ability to break teams open um, with either brute force or a little bit, bit of speed and subtlety to get on the outside of defenders. And the other thing I like about him, he's got that swag. He's got that real competitive edge. He loves the competition. He loves that in-your-face confrontation. And we saw it got the best out of him. When he played, uh, when they played the Crusaders, he was on another planet. Like, his performance was phenomenal in that game. So <clears throat> I'm really disappointed for him because I would have loved to have seen him have a crack at the arena because I think he's got the skill set and the ability, well-coached under Dave Rennie, to go to a whole other level. I, I reckon their midfield will be fine, though, without him. Like, Ikitao... Um, from from the Brumbies is exceptional. Um, for Kithi, the second five from the Waratahs as well. But, you know, Dave Rennie spoke so highly of him. Um, yes, uh, when when of the team was named, um, and he just said he's all about setting up other players. You know, a lot of um, Paresi's success is actually on the back of the hard work and the the, the positioning that that Fuketi does. Yeah. Um, to allow them to be successful. So I, I think um, they'll, they'll be a force. That, I mean, Simone can't even get in there, and I thought he was having a great um, <laughs> great year for the Brumbies. You know, there's so many guys that are missing out in that back line, but it's going to be off the back of sharpening up defence. Like Dave Rennie yesterday said, you know, we know we can attack. You know, the Aussie sides have had no problem scoring points, but we haven't been able to stop them. So a lot of a lot of their camp is going to be focusing on defence. He, he he made one comment here. I wrote it down because I was just like, man, if you're reading this as a player, you know you're going in to make a lot of tackles in camp. <laughs> he goes, we've got good men in our group, who when they cross the chalk, we want to know they they become different creatures, aggressive and competitive. I think that a big part of defending is wanting to go out and physically dominate and create opportunities for us to tack off. So it needs to be a big part of our DNA. So it's just like he's picked guys that he wants to become absolute, like, different sort of specimens as soon as, you know, that Swinton mindset. Mm. Controlled, though. You know, like, you don't want to be giving red cards or yellow, yellow cards, but that physical dominance with accuracy and defence and that breakdown dominance is going to be such a big part, and it will need to be a big part against France. And that's what he sounds he's... like a similar media release to when he picked his first chief side mate, and then uh, obviously what he did with them. Yeah, they used to their their training sessions were obviously notorious for being extremely competitive, punch ups galore. So yeah, that to me yeah speaks volumes, Chivo, of uh, what these boys can expect is uh, testing themselves. Uh, to, to what will be probably sometimes harder than what a game is. Oh, I'd say so, but it's, I think the type of player, the type of new forward and player and the, the, the other players that have played before, the older players coming back, I, I think they're well suited and, and ready for that. So I, I th I'm really excited for this, this series. I think it's going to be an absolute doozy.
So do you build a Wallabies attacking style on top of regular defence? Is that what we're going to see from, from Rennie? Or what will we see as far as attacking style is concerned? I think there'll be a bit of um, kick strategy in there, attacking kick strategy um, and, and playing that territory base. And, and then I think they've shown um, enough in terms of their players to have instinctive attack as well. So, but I, I think their biggest focus is stopping points. You know, winning test match footy is about you know, nullifying the opposition scoring and then taking your, your points when on offer. So building that scoreboard pressure, you know, having good forward dominance, having that set piece. Um, you know, they're not called test matches. So it's, it's a step up from Super Rugby. You're not going to just run over the try line like we've seen um, throughout Trans-Tasman. It, it's it's going to be, a, especially mm. against France, like these guys are well conditioned. They perform really well in Six Nation. They've got a bit of flair about them, but they've also got a bit of steel defensively. Um, so it's, it's, it's going to be about um, building into games and finding that attack, but I think it's going to be off the basis of defence. And I, I think a lot of his messaging yesterday was about turning defence into attack, so winning the breakdown, winning collisions, setting a presence, making our presence felt on the rugby field through defence, and then from that, building our attack. Chiefs mark too, like you said. Yeah, I think so, mate. I think so. This side um, that, knowing Dave Rennie's mindset and how he um, likes his squad to play and how he likes his players to, uh, I think, reflects in his selection. And, and it doesn't matter. I think what I've liked is that he's picked the best available to him, whichever he has on yeah. um, maybe promise or uh, ability in the future. He's picked on form and he's picked on toughness. So, yeah, I think we're going to this um, a really competitive series, but yeah, that French side is uh, pretty, um, and I'm sure they'll send down a pretty stack, and it'll be a real good test for for this Wallabies outfit. I think the key though is what I said is the smarts as well. Like you can be tough and you can be angry and all that, but you've got to keep it at a level where you can still stick in your systems and nail your role, be connected with your mate, cool, calm and within the parameters of the rules. So there is a balance there and you've got to get that right. Best players get it right. So the pass mark, pass mark is, is a series win. Uh, whitewash, what is the pass mark here for this team going up against France? Oh. I think the French go on as favourites, don't they? Um, yeah, yeah I, I would have thought so. Yeah, I, 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 I just think just because of the form and the time they've had together, but they, they obviously had a few dips and, and you know, probably on track to win the Six Nations, but didn't, you know, dipped at crucial times. So they're not, they're not you know, peaking, but we, we've spoken about at length, that's perfect for their 2023. So they're learning a little bit, uh, coming down here, learning a little bit about the Southern Hemisphere flair, but you know, Australia is still rebuilding 11 new caps, um, three games in 11 days. So that, there's a little bit of attrition there, war of attrition. So squad depth is going to be key. So, look, you, you would hate to see a whitewash for either side. Squad depth could be the key period for France because you never know who's going to turn up. Like, when I say, I mean that by who the clubs are going to release to be selected for this game. Yeah, so I think that'll be the judge of it. Look, I think a 2-1 victory to, to the Wallabies would be massive. Yeah. You happy with that? No, I think... I don't think we're going to see a whitewash at all. I think if the Wallabies can win one of the three, then I reckon they'll, they'll say that's a pass mark with the amount of injuries that they've got. I, I agree with Chibber going on to that series as the favourites. Um, but it's all in, as you alluded to, Ross, on on who is available for selection. Because if all their, if they bring their best squad down here, I think they will have the ability to, to whitewash the Wallabies. But... I don't think all those guys are going to be available. And they'll make a big, big impact. So it's been a big week for, for the Wallabies finding out their <laughs> test team. We'll find out next week about the All Blacks. But first of all, we've got the Super Rugby game, oh. the final. And, of course, we both know who you think is going to win. G give us a, a score. How close is this thing? And, and why do they win it? 17-15. Uh, um, why do they win it? Oh, I think tactically, tactical kicking will win it on the day. The team with the best tactical kicking and has the discipline to stick to that for 80 minutes will win it. 
and then decisions on penalties. And I think um, that long distance lever of Zahn Sullivan's could, could come in crucial for, for a long distance penalty late. I'm going to go 24-21. Clark Dermody's going to come up with three absolute gems of special lineouts uh, to get three more tries all converted. Then uh, Mitch Hunt's going to bang a penalty from 45 on the angle to win it <laughs> in the 82nd minute. That's my prediction. The fairy tale's been written. The, <laughs> the, the Highlanders win another one. There's another documentary-style story available. And the Highlanders walk away with Super Rugby title number two. That's uh, sounds good. That's the dream, mate. Sounds good. Yeah. I wonder who's playing Joey Wheeler in that movie. We will see. We'll see. We we'll will see. see. <laughs> the underdog Blues will will come up against the Giants. That are the Highlanders. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> Joey Wheeler down in Eden. Thank you very much for coming on board at the last minute, mate. Um, hope you're in much better shape right now than Bryn Hall is. Um, I'm sure that there is no doubt about that. And uh, as ever, James Parsons, see you again next week. Look forward you, to it. Thank you for watching. Catch us on the weekend on both Sky Sport and Rugby Pass with the big game in Super Rugby Trans Tasman. It is the Blues versus the Highlanders from Eden Park, the final. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.